This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Property Show on the morning run, and I'm Philip C. Now, on today's property show, we are in conversation with Nabil Hussein. He's the Deputy Managing Director at Seville's Malaysia on their 2021 What Workers Want Malaysia report. Welcome, Nabil, to the property show. Thank you, man. Happy to be here. Now, your report, I think, came out with a pretty startling statistic. Well, perhaps not so startling, but it basically said that 81% of Malaysian office workers say they would prefer to return to the office according to your survey, right? And you're one of the world's leading property advisors. Can you help us pass through and break down that 81%? Yeah, I think, um, and it, it was a, you know, and of course, we, it was run as a headline, which um, caught the attention even more. Um, but I think what it was, was that, you know, for, essentially four out of five workers think that the office still plays a key role in business or in employment, however you want to look at it. Um, some of them, we, we asked the question of, you know, how has the office changed or how has the importance of the office changed? And some people thought that it hadn't changed at all, that it was still, you know, the central um, feature of, of the working life. Some thought that at least for the time being, it was still criti- the critical element. And it was those two, uh, those two groups of people, essentially, that came out to about the 80%. Um, there was about one in every five you know, workers who thought that the office was obsolete and had run its course and all that. But I think also we've, you know, coming out of this, what is it now? We're two years. 21 months? Yep. Almost two years, right? Almost two years. 21 months of lockdowns and MCOs. And I think that there's also a social element that the office provides that previously was not always appreciated. And, you know, one of, one of the interesting responses that came back, we asked people what, uh, well, I guess what they called, thought one of the key, key roles of the office was. And the answer came back, socialization, you know, to socialize with, with um, your coworkers. And I think perhaps, you know, in the Malaysian context, we, you know, compa- compared to, I think, some Western countries or Western cultures, you'll see where the office life and the the uh, personal life is very separate. In Malaysia, you'll often see that, you know, they, they sort of blend into, uh, and, into each other. So. And just to clarify, when you say that four out of five or 80%, it's basically not to say that they encourage full working from office, right? They also advocate for the hybrid, isn't it? Hybrid is part of the 80%, is that correct? Absolutely. And moving forward, you know, it looks as though hybrid will become the um, the, the most dominant working style, if you will, or, you know, we, we've seen this before. I mean, employees want greater flexibility these days. There's a lot of other demands on their time. Technology has taken us to such a point that communication now is so easy that you don't always have to be in the same office at the same time to get your work done. Um, people are working across borders anyway, so there's time differences and, and all sorts of stuff. So the hybrid model does seem to be the, the most popular and I think the response that we got was that employees would typically, the typical employee, if you would, would sort of like to be in the office two to three days a week yep. and like to work remotely two to three days a week. You know, when this report came out, it drew quite a lot of headlines, as you were mentioning just now. <laughs> and I think the attention it grabbed was the number 80%, but also yep. that it came from yourselves, Seville, right, which yep. is one of the world's leading property developers. So the criticism is that, okay, of course they would say that because they would want to advocate for more greater office uh, utilization and space. So perhaps can you enlighten and share to assuage those critics, what is the process or the survey? How was it collected and conducted? 
Sure. So the survey is something that while this was the first year it was done in Malaysia, we've been doing it for more than 10 years in the UK and Europe, um, in the EMEA region. I think last, the most recent survey in Europe was over 100,000 respondents. Um, so it is quite a wide um, a wide swath of you know different sectors. We try to get as representative a cross-section as possible of the office of the office crowd. In Malaysia, I think this time we ended up with just over a thousand respondents. I think about twenty-five thousand surveys went out. Um, and again, across a variety of sectors, tech, finance, um, MNCs, accounting, oil and gas, of course, but even SMEs, all all sorts of different um, different sectors. We do have the numbers. I mean, it's something where I suppose that, you know, one of the things, and you mentioned that there has been a lot of sort of response to this report. And just, I mean, from a Savile standpoint, you know, the only thing I'd like to say is that we're happy to share a copy of the report with anyone. We're happy to sort of engage with anyone who wants to understand our methodology better. But, you know, if you take a step back, the responses were not very different from what we saw in other regions. So it does seem as though there's, you know, sort some common threads that run through, you know, what workers are looking for. So help me understand the, the, the commonality and also the differences in Malaysia? Well, the commonalities, I think, um, you know, most of it actually are, most of it um, did, did come out very sort of similar. We, you know, what do people want? Um, well, they do want the flexibility. They want the work-life balance. Um, they're concerned about their safety. You know, if they return, as we return to the office, what is safe, right? And I think even as, you know, we go through new tenants or, for example, tenants that are looking for new space now, one of the big questions that is asked is, what does the office of the future look like? Not necessarily in terms of, you know, the desks and the chairs and all that, but in terms of, you know, other other soft factors that you don't think about, like even things as simple as what sort of metal is the door handle made of? How, how are we sort of doing the access of people in, out, you know, just to make sure people are as safe as possible? So, I mean, for the most part, it was quite similar. I mean, the things that, you know, again, came up big were the, the flexibility Amenities, you know, people wanted amenities in and around the office, um, open spaces, cafes, this sort of thing were, were was quite popular. If you look at, was it city center versus decentralized? Well, Kale, you know, Kale's been a market that what, for over 20 years now has already had decentralized commercial hubs, places like Kale Central, Mid Valley that have always done very well. You know, most of these places popped up right after the Twin Towers were completed when you couldn't get any new space in the city center. Not a whole lot has changed there. I think that, you know, an element that I suppose is impacting upon whether or not people want to be in the city center or decentralized is also the public transport, MRT. So we're just about to open, I think, the second line of the MRT. There's all sorts of plans floating around for the third line. You know, typically, you know, any sort of transport system like that tends to draw people back into the city center for work. Um, In terms of decentralized office spaces, I mean, the co-working, some of the co-working guys have reported an increase in business. But, you know, when we talk about flexible working or decentralized office spaces, you know, we're not just talking about a company having, you know, a co-working space or whatever. We're talking about cafes. We're talking about client offices. We're talking about, you know, hotels, anywhere somebody can sit down and work. I mean, one of the biggest, uh, one of the most uh, popular locations for decentralized working in Europe was given as the ride on the train. And for the typical employer, this is something that they will have to take into account. We believe because it does become central to sort of the battle for talent, we think, over time. Yeah, so very interesting point because it also ties in with the earlier point you talked about, which was socialization, that a lot of people want to come back to office to socialize. So creating that physical space that facilitates that socialization is very important, which then leads me to the question 
or when I wear the head of a landlord or a tenant, right? When I want to lease a space or even rent a space, do I want to have a blank canvas or a fully furnished office? Because, you know, things evolve and move very fast, right? Do you see a trend where essentially now people are saying, look, I'd rather have a blank canvas and then I will design it to how I want to design it in view that, you know, the situation is moving so fast? I mean, I think to some degree, it's always been that way. But we've, you know, we've been advocating greater flexibility for some time now, even, I mean, ideally, for example, a master plan development, something big, something large, where, you know, it's not just a single office building, but the other amenities, other, other sort of types of real estate or other supporting real estate can feed into it. While that helps, you know, think of, for example, a KLCC or a KL Central or a TRX. There's also... You know, even within single office buildings, individual office buildings, you know, before the pandemic, you know, there was already a train of thought that said, if you are the landlord, you should already consider having a co-working space in the building. Because typically, I mean, you know, the original model was that a WeWork or a Common Ground would come into a building, be the co-working operator. In a way, they would compete with the landlord for tenants. But by the landlord themselves putting a co-working space into the building, what it does is it increases the flexibility for your tenants. Some tenants may have requirements that are not year-round. You know, anybody who's got project-based requirements, for example. Um, typically, you sign an office lease. It's a six- or nine-year commitment. You may not need the space for that long. So, you know, that, that element of flexibility of, you know, being able to change and chop things was always important. I think one thing that's become quite clear, I suppose, over the last few years is that we're getting further and further away from, you know, the old office leases where you'd sign up for 10, 12, 15 years um, on a huge space. Um, we may we may see something like that on a smaller space now with a, with more swing space, but you know those older contracts, nice as they were, probably <laughs> not going to be as common going forward. Shorter, more flexible, and I th- yeah. I like your point that landlords actually view the co working space as complementary to all the other tenants, and I can imagine if there's spillover, if there's a need for social activities or even more yeah. meetings than necessary, then the exactly. co working space is activated essentially. So I want to get your thoughts about amenities, and when I look at your report, oh my goodness, right? Employees want everything they want from assigned desk to meeting rooms with AV facilities, they want personal storage lockers. How does the employer reconcile these huge demands and these long list of demands? You know, I think, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of employers were already doing it, um, or at least, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these items. So the funny thing was that even though everyone wanted to work for three days in the office, everyone wants an assigned desk. So you take away people's assigned desk and they start worrying about their job security. Um, but even moving on from there, the large meeting rooms, um, you know, personal storage, breakout areas, I mean, quiet zones, libraries, collaboration spaces. A lot of this stuff, if you think about it, can actually be provided on a collective basis, perhaps, for a building or for a, for a um, larger development. Um, but some of it was already being provided. You know, and again, it's, I think that we will see an evolution in what people are demanding. If you look at, you know, the European survey between, you know, we, we did the, we did um, a survey just after the pandemic, I think it was in May last year. And then we did it again, sort of a year on in May this year. And the responses were different in that, you know, you recall after the, you know, May last year, the first MCO, you know, the office was obsolete. People were never going to go back to the office. Everyone was, you know, over it. Where a year on, we started seeing, you know, people almost start to miss the office. The social element's not there. And I suppose from a work standpoint as well, the lack of collaboration becomes an issue over time. I think that, you know, after the, when, after, when we went into the first MCO, 
I, I don't think as a collective, the country's ever worked so hard. Everyone was on Zoom for 14 hours a day, you know, no day, no night. Everyone was always available. Then I think two, three months in, you started seeing the videos turn off on the, on the calls, <laughs> Yes, you know, and people started having they were lying in bed. internet connectivity problems. <laughs> so they have to turn the video off and, you know, so I think people are just burnt out. I mean, you can't, you can't go like that. Yeah. And we'll talk about productivity after these messages. We'll be back with more after these messages. Stay with us. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to The Property Show on The Morning Run. I'm Philip C. And with me today is Nabil Hussein, Deputy Managing Director at Seville's Malaysia on their 2021 What Workers Want Malaysia report. Now, Nabil, we talked just now about productivity where you felt that a huge amount of Malaysians were working extremely hard as a result of the pandemic. But I want to share with you a key chart that was very interesting in your report where it said that actually a large majority of Malaysians, nearly close to 50%, actually thought there was no increase or decrease in productivity as a result of remote, remote working. And that's a very big contrast to the UK and Europe, isn't it? I think there was a, you know, there's a few elements, I think, that played into that. The, the survey was done sort of almost a year after, just over a year after the pandemic and the onset of the pandemic in March 2020. Um, the first few months of the pandemic, you, were, you know, everyone is on Zoom calls 14 hours a day or Teams calls or and I think everyone is just working harder than they've ever worked before. That is really isn't sustainable. I think also for, for the typical employee in Malaysia, because working from home is still a relatively new thing compared to, let's say, Europe or the U.S., I think that, you know, initially there was a lot of stuff that could be done. And a lot of it was just clearing your plate of projects or whatever have you that piled up. Um, but over time, I think that there, you know, employees also weren't as sure just sort of what to be doing. I also think that, you know, we had MCOs, I suppose, and we still do to this day, that have gone on for some time, much longer than, you know, in many Western countries. And yeah. I think people are just sort of a bit tired, a bit burnt out. They don't see their productivity as being there. And I think the, the final element of it is that we're probably not quite as set up for working from home. Some more, you know, uh, higher income countries or some more, you know, sophisticated markets, yeah. for example, I think for most people, you know, working from home was something that in the 48 hours before uh, March 18th was, you know, everyone everyone sort of got their laptop and made sure they were on. But yeah, I, I get your point because you're saying there are two key trends here. One is that the infrastructure we have is not set up for working from home. And secondly, also, we have had such a long pandemic relative to a lot of our other peers that perhaps the productivity perception has been plateaued quite a bit. So, you know, we had a conversation just now that the whole demand list from employees is long, long and, and you know, cumbersome in many views. But in your view, so this is all an acceleration even pre-pandemic, right? This desire for hybrid balance, flexibility. The pandemic has just simply accelerated it, hasn't it? It's always been there. No, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that it's, it is an acceleration of changes that were coming anywhere. For example, I know for us as a company, our sort of working from home readiness at, you know, what we probably would have done over a year or two ended up being rolled out in 48 hours you know, just before yeah. we went into lockdown. So, you know, and, and, and look, I mean, we, we've seen it in other markets before. We got a late start on this working from home thing. But in any market, there is there is a settling in period. There's a period where, you know, people take a bit of time to get used to it. You know, and work styles, work cultures are different. So we do expect to see continued sort of evolution of, you know, working from home in the Malaysian context and what it means. Yeah, and I, I see many friends now begin to start working from office uh, and it's a gradual trend. So, 
you were mentioning that we took a really we had to take a very short time, forty eight hours, to prepare ourselves from work from home. What are the immediate things we can do to help ease ourselves back into work from office? What are the actions that we as property owners or even employers do to help ensure that the transition back to work from office is smooth? Well, you know, I would say that I mean, while it has been a very long time, you know, almost going on two years, and there is, I, I appreciate that, you know, from business owners from essentially the decision makers that there is a emphasis on getting back into the office and getting set up and getting working as soon as you can. I think that, you know, a gradual sort of return is probably best. I think that now that employees have had almost two years of working from home, we're not going back to a five day a week sort of everyone says 40 hours. Nobody seems to work less than 50, you know, in the office. And I think that, you know, with the, you know, the thing is the pandemic, I mean, now we've got this Omicron variant too. Be, con- be concerned about. I think that it's the, the pandemic is still very much a real thing. So I think that a bit of prudence is probably the the way to go about it. And I suppose as you know, employees come back into the office, the primary concern is still safe health and safety. So you know, there's there's a lot of things you can do. For example, I mean, just bringing people back in low lesser numbers. For example, you know, greater social distancing and just easing people back into into the workplace is probably the prudent way to go about it. I think it also allows, you know, I I think that for a lot of companies too, it's allowed them over the last two years, this has been sort of a real life trial of which functions or which departments or whatever have you are the most critical, which ones absolutely have to be in the office, which ones can work a bit more remotely. And I think we'll see, you know, greater um, focus on that going forward. I think that for, you know, for new buildings that have yet to be developed um, from a pandemic safety standpoint, there's a lot that can be done. Um, But I think even for existing buildings, when you talk about retrofitting or, you know, just changing the SOPs around the building, there's also quite a bit that can be done um, just to keep, you know, employees and staff and everyone safe. I'm just wondering from a design standpoint moving forward, as you said rightfully that I think this pandemic will likely move on up to 2022, do you think now companies are thinking about smaller spaces and perhaps even more decentralized to help mitigate and manage risk going forward? Do you see the situation or of large centralized office spaces gone and what we are seeing now is smaller, more decentralized locations and office spaces? I think that we will see that, but I think there's two sort of counterbalancing uh, sort of forces here. One is, yes, you know, the move towards smaller you know, smaller centralized offices. But at the same time, I think that, you know, where we were pre-pandemic, where we were talking about, you know, a lot of companies were squeezing people in, you know, one workstation per seven, eight square meters, 70, 80 square feet. And on top of that, you had, uh, on top of that, you had um, hot desking at a ratio of one to 1.3 or whatever. So, I mean, you were getting, you know, an employee in per 50, 60 square feet. I mean, we we're really starting to pack them in. Um, I think that's probably not sustainable, I mean, that's something that we've seen in the last 10 years or so. Even when I moved to Malaysia 10 years ago, you know, the sort of rule of thumb was one workstation per 150 square feet. In 2018, 2019, we did projects that were one workstation per 85 square feet. You know, so we, so even though you're, I mean, so I think that within the existing offices we have, we have to give staff more space. We just have to give ourselves more space. Um, Flexible. So that is a that is a force that sort of grows the requirement for space. At the same time, um, a lot of there will be more working from home. Some units may work permanently from home. I've seen various sort of analyses that suggest that you know there may be a reduction in demand of anywhere from ten to fifteen percent overall, depending on whose sort of assumptions you believe. But you know, it's it's I don't think it's going to be anything that's 
hugely, I suppose, I don't think there's going to be a huge decline um, in demand for space going forward. And I think, as you said, do we see more decentralized offices? Well, we've always always seen decentralized offices in in KL. I mean, we ourselves, Savils, we're barely in KL. We're in Damansar Heights, <laughs> you know. But a lot of companies are not even in KL. They're in Selangor, so. Yes. I think we'll continue to see that. Yeah, because I think there's this whole perception that location, location, location perhaps is reducing its importance. You see a bit more of that dispersion perhaps, especially now if we talk about infrastructure in KL improving substantially, right? With MRT2, MRT3, you allow a bit more of that dispersion taking place. When you look at the respondents, do you see a big distinction between the larger corporates and the smaller medium enterprises? Do you see a distinction in how they responded to your survey? Um, we didn't see, by and large, we didn't see a whole lot of difference. Um, there were some obvious ones, for example, like if you look at the respondents who said that they thought the office space, the, the, the office was obsolete, overwhelmingly, these were guys in the tech sector. Um, you know, who are just more comfortable with remote working. But generally, by and large, it, it wasn't um, terribly, terribly different. I think generally employees seem to want the same sort of safety, health, yep. work-life balance. And if we flip it the other way, which is the employee, do you see a distinction between the types of employee by age, profession level? Because we've talked a lot about how the pandemic has particularly affected younger professionals, those who start in their career, because they don't build the social capital of being in the office. Um, in your survey, did that, did that come through? that younger people were yearning to come back to office? I think it, um, I mean, it wasn't very noticeable. I think also we probably didn't get that wide a sampling of, you know, those within the first two years or four years of their careers to sort of highlight that they wanted to come back. And, you know, frankly, I think that for, if we take a step back and look at it, I mean, if you're 25, do you want to come back to the office any more than somebody who's 35 and has two kids? I mean, the two kids at home trying to put them through, you know, school over Zoom. <laughs> I mean, by the by the time by the time you've done that for a few months, you know, you're you're probably as ready to go back to the office as you know the younger the younger ones. So, I mean, at, at managerial level, we did see a greater sort of yearning to be back in the office. But by and large, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't all that different. I think working from home has a very different uh, realm of physical and mental exhaustion when you talk about that. (laughs) Absolutely. That's all the time we have for today's Property Show. Thank you for being on the show, Nabil. I've been speaking to Nabil Hussein, Deputy Managing Director at Seville's Malaysia on their 2021 What Workers Want Malaysia report. I'm Philip C. signing off for the morning run. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.